Until very recently, groups such as the People's Temple and the World Church of God appeared to be mainstream religious sects. In the light of current news, many of these groups deserve a second look at them. Jim Ryerson found one scholar who's been following Herbert Armstrong's church for some time now. Dr. Walter Martin has been studying comparative religions for a quarter of a century. He first wrote about Herbert W. Armstrong and his worldwide Church of God in the 60s. He says, as with most cults, as he refers to the Church of God, people just don't understand what it is that Armstrong is preaching. Martin claims cults got their big boost in the 60s when organized religions stepped back and the cults moved in. People go into these cultic structures because they do have a genuine spiritual hunger. They're looking for something, something I might add that they apparently haven't found in a lot of Christian churches. If in effect we had done what we're supposed to do at home, taking care of the sheep, we wouldn't have lost the large majority of these people into the world of the cults. He says we may just be seeing the beginning of the cult movement in the next 20 years. They'll be present as never before, and that incidents like Jonestown really won't be that much of a surprise. Well, you're Mr. Controversy, you know. You, you stir up the devil, don't you? Well, and you, um, I, I stir up a lot of people. That's perfectly true. But I think that part of the problem of the church historically has been that if you don't have any movers and shakers and nobody dissenting and nobody pointing things out, then you don't have any teaching ministry in the church because you teach by contrast. And um, the Christian church, his days of the church father till today, has been controversial. Uh, there's nothing wrong with controversy for the sake of truth. It's controversy just for the sake of controversy that's a sin. Yes. And controversy that speaks the truth in love is a biblical command. Let's let's get the record straight. Okay, carry the on. The cults declared war on the church. We uh, didn't I agree with you out. here. I agree with We're you. We're supposed to respond to that, you see? Tell me why the Christian church should be silent in the face of those attacks. So the, the whole thing we're looking at today is there's many, there's different grounds to take down this argument that we're seeing here in chapter one in Staff of Moses. One is, you know, the theological meaning of the Bible. To, uh, like it's, uh, two, it's kind of like the more reasoning area where it's more like the dominant theme. They're trying to do this word equivocation game all the time, but very powerfully too, it's An Sung Hong himself also contradicted it. He never would have agreed in current WMSU doctrine or what's in chapter one here in the staff of Moses. And it's important to, again, keep in mind what we, the reason we established for so long this book is because going back to his preface, we just read Ong Song Hong say that the way to interpret revelation and who the bride is, is that that's the saints. You go back right. to the preface and he says, this is the unchanging truth of God. You guys got to, you have to do something with that. You, you don't, don't, just pass over that. Uh, that's incredibly significant. Um, I think, too, in chapter 15, we can maybe talk about this for a second. In chapter 15, he also has this quote where he says, The new Jerusalem will come down to this earth from heaven 1,000 years from now. So do you guys see any issues with the WMSCOG doctrine with what Ong Song Hong says there. Yeah, she came before the 1,000 years. Yeah, it didn't take 1,000 years for her to come. It took about, from the time this was written, it took about 10 years. Okay. Okay. Another quote I want to read from chapter 16. Ong Song Hong says, Let's read the Bible passage, uh, the passages that Um Suen uses to claim that she is the only bride. If the matter at hand proves to be false, we must know that everything that she says is false. That, that, that to me is incredibly significant because if he's applying it there, doesn't that apply to everything we're doing here with the World Mission Society right. Church of God? If, if we're false, finding something, false. yeah, if we're finding something here that the WMSUG teaches that contradicts Ong Song Hong, from his own words, that means everything they say is false. Right. Well, Jesus said himself, he says, you know, you'll cut down that tree. If the root is evil, you'll cut down the whole tree and throw it into the fire. 
Yeah. That's a quote from Christ in the Gospels. Yep. So if if we're finding something false, then here that that the WMSCOG is contradicting Ong Song Hong, that that proves everything they say is false. Again, this is Ong Song Hong's words at this point. This isn't us. This is this is father that is saying these things. Um, okay, let me look. There's several other quotes here. Um, okay, so it uh, looks like I think in chapter 16, I had another one written down. I don't think I've read this one yet. But Ong Song Hong says, it is written that the spirit and the bride say, come. That's in Revelation 22, 17. It is true that the bride here is the same bride found in Revelation 21, 19 through 10. Since it is written, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And then actually there's this part after this that I want to read too. So he says, the wife yeah. of the lamb is the saints. Therefore, just as the prophecy of the bride, the bride stands for the new Jerusalem in heaven and the new Jerusalem stands for the 144,000 saints. He's saying so, it over and over again. Jordan, this is super important, right? To bring this up right now. So in the staff of Moses in chapter one, on the second page, there's a heading. It says the wife of the lamb has two meanings. And what they're basically saying here is they, they you know, they say, yeah, you can, you know, uh, wife of the lamb, just like the idea of lambs has two meanings. Well, as expressed sometimes as the wife of Christ, a different meaning depending on the context. And the real point they get to here is the wife of Christ can refer to the church, the saints, in certain verses that we, the opposers, quote. But the wife of the Lamb who gives the water of life as the heavenly wedding banquet, which is exactly what Jordan's reading right here, this part only refers to heavenly mother. And that's the exact quote from the book. So that's kind of the three-stage, you know, uh, argument here. One is that what is the grounds of the opposers? Well, you know, we're saying that the bride of Christ is always the church, not mother. Number Point number two, there's two meanings of lamb, just like, you know, uh, other words, you know, they remember said Christ is the lamb, we're lamb, small l, different. And they're trying to do the equivocation game. And they say, see, wife of lamb has two meanings too. And the difference here is that this lamb in Revelation is obviously uh, a second deity because she's the one who gives the water life. Well, who did, who did Ansong say is giving the water life in Revelation twenty two seventeen? The church. The church. And that's the yeah. whole argument they're trying to use here in Staff of Moses. And it's interesting that they say, again, in the Staff of Moses, they say the uh, the. Uh, the wife of the lamb who gives the water of life at the heavenly wedding banquet only refers to the heavenly mother. But however you view this book that Ong Song Hong wrote here, what is clear if you believe Ong Song Hong is that the only way to interpret who the bride is can't just be heavenly mother, because even if somehow you squeeze in the idea of heavenly mother after reading this, it's clear that Ong Song Hong thought that the bride in Revelation can refer both to the saints, at, at least to the saints also. And so that quote in the staff of Moses that this can only refer to Heavenly Mother is just one more thing that Ong Song Hong directly contradicts because his interpretation of Revelation here has nothing to do with Heavenly Mother and it has everything to do with the saints. Right. So they're saying that concepts and words can have two meanings. We could turn that right back at them to say, yeah, they too. This is the church again. Burden of proof is on you to show there's wise another female deity. And the whole of scripture says there's one God. The Jews believed in one God. Christians believe in one God. Christianity and Judaism are monotheistic religions. We're not polytheistic. Uh, and that's, that's taught to every Jewish kid since he's a little kid. Here Israel, the Lord our God is one. You know, Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema. And they, they actually believe in two different deities. We're going to see that also later in the staff book where it's really clear. You know, the church doesn't believe in one God with like a female male part. They actually believe in two separate gods. One God plus one God, a male God and a female God. They are polytheists. You can't yep. be a polytheist and be a Christian. So another quote, Ong Song Hong says, and I believe this is chapter 16, um, talk about the tabernacle. So he says, when this tabernacle, when this tabernacle, again, this is going back to a point we just covered. The, uh, when this tabernacle comes down to this earth, it will be 1,000 years after the world has ended. 
When continuing to examine Revelation 21 through 15 carefully, it is seen that the prophecy will come to pass 1,000 years after the world has ended. The events mentioned in Revelation 20, 21 through 22 come to pass after the millennial kingdom. So this special attention must be paid to this point. Again, th that's Ong Song Hong's words that I just read that he says is the unchanging truth of God. Ong Song Hong is saying that the heavenly Jerusalem, the tabernacle, uh, that will come down to this earth 1,000 years after the world has ended. So Kelsey and Steve, has the world ended yet? Not to my knowledge. Well, they okay, thought it so, was getting in in 1988 and right. 2000, 2012, and uh, no, it hasn't. Yeah. But we at Not least yet. know that according to Ong Song Hong, we've still had at least a thousand years till any possibility that the heavenly Jerusalem could come down to this earth. Right. According to Zong so Hong, yes. So what does that say about Zonggil? So let me ask you this, Kelsey. So first, what would that say about Zonggil Jaw and the truthfulness of whether she can be mother God or not? And then with your member hat on, respond in any way you want to, to what's been said here okay so can you repeat the first question again <laughs> okay so so with this quote i just read and the and the other quotes uh, obviously you've been reading about, from what does that mean what does that say about zonggil Ja first well according to what someone wrote here you know she if the new jerusalem were a person which you know it says here is referenced as a tabernacle but if it were a person you know, the timing is, has not happened. So she can't be this tabernacle, this new Jerusalem, because, you know, he wrote this in the, the early 80s. I'll bring up an important point. Like I, this one critic of the Jehovah's Witnesses who talks about, you know, the witnesses are living on the precipice of Armageddon. They try to keep them always in the sense of tension that Armageddon's right around the corner, living right. on that knife edge, that it could happen any time. And Kelsey would know better than anyone here that that's what this group does. They kind of make you think you got to be a gospel worker. You got to get out there and preach. It's right around the end of the corner. It's no thousand years away. You just don't take right. your time to wait till, you know, the consummation. You know, you're living right. on that knife edge that it could happen any single moment. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, in regards to, to Jordan's question, it's like, yeah, the timing is not right according to Han Sung Hong. So, whatever she, whoever she claims to be, she is not that according to Han Sung Hong's teachings. Mm -hmm. So if you're a member and you believe in Unsung Hong, you know, you're going to have to reconcile that fact. <laughs> so with with all these quotes that we've read in Ong Song Hong's book, to me, this really comes down to, I think, for members is that they they have to choose between whether they're going to believe these very specific teachings that Ong Song Hong gave or what the WMSCOG teaches, because you really can't have it both ways when you really honestly examine what Ong Song Hong taught. And it's not just here, you know, that Ong Song Hong teaches about the, the identity of the wife of Christ. Um, he, you know, he gets into it in visitors from the angelic world about how Eve represents the church and stuff. And obviously they have responses to that. But, but Kelsey, kind of from this stuff we, we've said so far, like with, with the quotes we've given from Ong Song Hong, um, Kind of again with with your member hat, like what what do you feel like members would be? How would they be processing this right now? Obviously, they've got their defenses up, and what do you think those would be? Uh, you know, again, I think people would you know respond to trying to explain how Revelation nineteen twenty one and twenty two uh, explain um, about the bride being God the Mother. Mm -hmm. I think that they would put a lot of effort into there. And to that, I would say, like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to get to that in 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 future study. Like, the next study is all about uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen. So yep. we're going to get there. But I think that's how a lot of people uh, would respond. Because in, in their minds, like, they, they have these rock-solid, what they think are rock-solid arguments for why the Revelation right. verses are about Mother God. And they're, they're, right. they're intricately woven with other verses. And so... Right. Yeah, a lot of this stuff isn't, it, you know, it might be, if they're being honest, it should be shaking them, but those are going to be still pretty strong. And so, right. uh, so again, I think what you said, one, two things. One, we're going to get to those. But two, 
you have to do something still with the fact that Ong Song Hong, we're, just, we're showing you his interpretation of these key verses that you're using to prove the doctrine of Mother God. And Ong Song Hong interprets them in a way that actually agrees with our Christian understanding of these verses. And so um, that's a big deal. And, and he states that, you know, in his book, in the preface, again, the preface is very key. In that it's, you know, the unchanging truth, which we already knew. And that also the the reason why he wrote this book was to dispute the claims of Ansung Hong, or not Ansung Hong, of Um Suin. Um, and, you know, people like her who are adding their mm-hmm. own interpretations to the book of Revelation concerning God the Mother. Um, and so, and, you know, the, he says he doesn't want this to, you know, the, the specific words, let me see if I can find it, the specific words were... Um, he says you must take special care not to be deceived by these corrupt people ever again so keep that in mind when you know uh when when this topic of this book comes up and of course we encourage uh everyone to to actually read the book for themselves so when Uh, he says the excerpts they've been presented he says in the preface in spite of this women like umsuin have caused mm-hmm. a great problem to arise with her corrupt ideas mm-hmm. and how can they be forgiven? So in your guys' opinion, does Zonggil Ja fit into the category of women like Um Suin? Absolutely. Absolutely. On the money. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get... They, they use, again, they use the exact same verses the exact she same used verses. and that he refutes. Right. So... So you got to do something with that. And we'll, we'll get to the other arguments you might still have in your mind about Revelation and uh, 19 and, and others. So the next section in chapter one, it's called uh, Two Meanings of Eve. And we want to make a few quick comments about this. Um, well, well, it's actually under the supplementary explanation. Supplementary explanation. And so what what is it, guys, that they're arguing for here kind of sum up um well let me let me just read this this last statement because i guess it kind of it kind of summarizes it so last paragraph here it says firstly eve refers to the saints and secondly to the bride heavenly mother or mother god who appears as the savior to lead the saints and give them the water of life at the end of six thousand years in other words eve has two meanings since Eve, who represents the wife of Christ, refers to both the saints and the heavenly mother, the wife of Christ too indicates both the saints and the heavenly mother. So what what are they saying there? What are they trying to get across? Oh, what are they trying to, what's the, the point of them saying right. this? What, what, are, what did they just say for those who might be struggling to follow that? Right. And, and how they just, even though the Bible doesn't, you know, specifically say Eve has, a, you know, any kind of meaning outside of who Mm -hmm. Eve was, they use Adam in the verse in Romans chapter five, verse 14, which says Adam is a pattern of the one to come. They use that to explain about, you know, Adam represents Christ. So his wife Eve must represent someone as well. And I think if you're in their mind, they're probably thinking, okay, well, Adam represents a deity like a Christ Mm -hmm. who is God. So Mm -hmm. therefore Eve must also represent a deity. A deity. Right? Do you think that's kind of, the, they're kind of thinking that way? That's ahead, a, they're, no, they're creating a typology here. And I'm very careful about typologies because unless the Holy Spirit says this is, you can have an opinion like saying, hey, this seems to be a type of this, but the stated dogmatically say this is absolutely this without the Holy Spirit making it clear in the New Testament, I think you're on dangerous ground, especially to build a doctrine on those grounds. Mm-hmm. So, they're trying to, it's kind of a, a word equivocation game and a false analogy. Um, I think this is a way to set yourself up. You know, you can build a lot of things from silence and uh, it's just a dangerous way to do doctrine. Yep. So it's, this is actually, this gets into like philosophical argumentation and right and wrong ways to do that. And so like a, a, a false analogy, kind of an example that you can just pull up if you search for that on Google. It's uh, an example of that is, is, Say Joanne and Mary both drive pickup trucks. Since Joanne is a teacher, Mary must also be a teacher. This is flawed reasoning. Um, so that that's that's if you just look up the the definition of a false analogy, 
which is mm -hmm. just a, a description of one of a, uh, a, a fallacious way of arguing, like a, a illogical, irrational way to argue. And then yeah. you can plug you can plug this into that into that same scenario. Just because Adam and Eve, you know, they were together, Adam represents Christ, means Eve must represent a right. deity as well. It's the same situation. It just, yeah, and it doesn't follow. It doesn't work. You mm -hmm. have to you have to step away from rational, logical way of arguing, and and, mm -hmm. and depart from that in order to come to that conclusion. And it's not to right. say even that. It's not to say that that proves it's not true. It's just to say you haven't established that. You you have you have to you have to show us that before you just say it. You have to prove that because Jordan, the way they do that is through uh -huh. the use of transitions. And we had talked right. upon this about this in an earlier episode. So if you haven't seen the episode, so what they do often is they'll take a verse and they'll say this means this, and they'll take the verse as it is. Then they'll take a totally unrelated verse, but they try to combine them by what they call transitions. Every member knows this. Kelsey did it. Often people have trouble with their transitions. They got to practice. They get that transition down to flow. And, and in here, it, there's no connection between Adam having Eve and, you know, uh, Christ having mother God. It just doesn't exist, but they right. try to make a transition. And if you can show how the transitions bogus, that they're basically, you pull the transition away, this false analogy, right. it's basically two unrelated concepts with nothing to do with each other on standalone verses or concepts. And then unless there's a transition connecting them, it's it's nonsense. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to put a, this, this transition for the members to say, if this is like this and this will be like this, you knock out the transition, everything falls apart. Yep. And you, you see that you see, I've, you know, when I've sat down with them in the past and talked with them and listened to their, their studies and listened to them explain and prove their doctrines, you see this so clearly, but it's, it's, uh, it's hard to catch sometimes because it's crafty and it's like, we always call it sleight of hand, which is really what it is. And it's like you right. said, they, they start out with these two completely unrelated things and they know, okay, I have to somehow figure out how to connect this, this being like a, a verse or a, in a, a scriptural idea. I have to find a way to connect this to this. I have to way to make Eve picture a, a second deity. And obviously I can't just jump to that. So I'm going to find another Bible verse in the scripture that can kind of ease that, that transition, make it an easier thing. So if I can show, I, right. I can start with this. And then it's like a, rather than this jumping there, it's like you, 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 they put a, uh, they grab a verse that's unre another unrelated verse, but seems a little bit more like it fits in, and they put another step mm -hmm. in there. So it's, it's your mind doesn't like jolt when they, they connect these two things. It makes it easier to, to take it in, and it, it feels, it seems more uh, reasonable. But if you step back and look at what they've just done in a critical way, you see that they've just connected three completely unrelated things that might appear to be related, but they've connected it in a way where they formed a doctrine from a terrible uh, uh, pr way of- False analogy. Yeah, a terrible way of looking and interpreting scriptures. I don't right, see right. Eve at all as the, the church. I don't see that in scripture. It's a type, if you wanna believe it, you can believe it, but I wouldn't build a doctrine on it. It's not explicitly taught in the New Testament. You might say it's implicit by typology. Um, I think if you to build the doctrine that there's a second deity other than the one deity, right. the Father, upon this uh, through this bogus transition thing is dangerous theology. You could build any doctrine you want on this, guys. And again, just like we said before, um, this is theologically refuted. The idea that there's a plurality of gods, so many places in the Bible. I mean, we'll get into that in a future episode, but just read Isaiah 42 to 46 and underline everywhere where it says there's one God and you're going to run out of ink. I mean, it goes through it again and again and again that there's only one God. So theologically, you know, this is going to get just destroyed. I think the problem I would have with it is that, I mean, I, I to me personally, it's impossible for me to not question things and question what I believe. I question what I believe every day and analyze it probably to a fault. And so if I was a member, like I would not be able to help but think like, but wait a minute. The only time Ong Song Hong ever mentions Eve or the wife of Christ, he only ever says it's the saints. And so like for me personally, right. if I was a member, I would have a really difficult time not 
like having a real struggle with that and asking the question, why is it that Father only ever says that the wife of Christ is the saints and now the WMSUG comes along after he's dead and says, oh, well, no, actually the wife of Christ is a second deity. Something that, a concept that was totally uh, outside of anything Ong Song Hong ever taught. Not, not only was it outside of what he taught, it was something he directly refuted. And so if I was right. a member, I would really struggle with this. Well, where did An Song oh. Hong get the idea that there's that Eve are the saints anyway? And it seems like he might have used that as a typology, but they're building a doctrine. The church, after he dies, building a doctrine on his typology. Mm -hmm. So, but where did An Song Hong get the idea from anyway? It's not not found in scripture. Well, also, I, I want to point out, I, I want to point out too that for that book, members haven't read that book. 99% of members have not read that book. So, you know, though they might be, you know, told the contents of the book, you know, seeing what uh, An Sung Hong actually said, I think is a whole other level. Yep. And so, um, you know, I mean, An Sung Hong made it very, very clear that the, the bride is the same. Very, very And clear. they're also right. cherry picking, again, which part mm -hmm. of An Sung Hong they quote. I mean, they're not right. exactly to quote the, you know, the problem with the New Jerusalem the the bride and the veil so they're not going to quote that mm -hmm. they're picking where they want to to try to support mm -hmm. their doctrines uh and that's what they're doing right now with this idea here with this uh eve being the saints which is just mm -hmm. you know nonsense yeah. it's yeah. like so saying did jesus ever kiss his mother well you can't build a doctrine on anything it's an argument from silence right. you know and this is an argument from silence you can't build doctrines right. of, you know deities yeah, exactly. which is salvation oriented this is a salvation doctrine it's not like a a peripheral doctrine. This is a salvation doctrine. Right. And you're going to base it upon some typology. Yeah. Right. And base it on scriptures that Ong Song Hong used to refute the very idea <laughs> that you're trying to support with those scriptures. So if you want to, I would just, this would be a point where I just encourage members to go like just first go and read problems with the new Jerusalem, the bride and women's veils and ask yourself the question, if you're being honest, who do you think Aung Song Hong really believed was the wife of Christ? And even go and read chapter 13 of uh, visitors from the angelic world and compare and contrast the two, see how they correlate, see how they back up each other and, and showing, and this actually visitors from the angelic world just kind of goes to show the fact that Aung Song Hong did believe that what he taught and uh, problems with the New Jerusalem was the unchanging truth of God, because it's something he continued to teach, not just in that book about the identity of the wife of Christ, but he taught it elsewhere, which shows that Aung Song Hong's views of who the bride of Christ was didn't change. It didn't change after the removal of this book. Um, it, it's something he consistently taught and thought. That's a. I think that's a. I think that's a very good point that you just brought up. Is that you know it wasn't just that book. Mm -hmm. that he mentioned um, that the bride, you know, or the bride, or in this case, Eve, right? Right. Represents the, the saints. I think yep. that's a very, very good point. Yeah. Um, it was also it's in the, a book that's widely distributed that's accepted, in the WMS. Right. Yeah. If you want to say yeah. this book is just temporary, the, the problems with the New Jerusalem, well, mm -hmm. well, the same concept, you see him repeating that. And so mm -hmm. there's pretty strong arguments to be made that no, he, he continued to think this way. If we have people who do come on Christian television and they look right into the camera and talk to millions of people and they say to you, dogs beget dogs and cats beget cats and God begets gods and you are little gods, that is error and it is evil. Well, I think you're right. And also, the fact that you're here tonight, counteracting it, is producing a balance in the theological presentation it may of may produce a scaffold, too. It's true. Will you have these men on your program? The ones that you, you know, would they come on your program? I would love them on my program. I would love, and I have a very large and effective program by the grace of God. I'd be glad to have them on. So the second supplementary explanation that they give, so that was number one. Number two is titled, Secondly, Adam and Eve represent the spirit and the bride. Um, and so what are the things, there's a couple things I think we wanted to pull out of here. Um, 
one is that they give they compare the the animals um basically they say that the the saints of god the people of god are represented or symbolized by eve and the animals so eve is both the saints um or, or the the saints are both eve and uh the animals is that correct the saints are both Eve and um, the the saint. They're saying here that the saints are both Eve and the saints are the bride who leads the animals. Who leads the okay? So the animals are the Gentiles. Up. They're not part of mm -hmm. the church. The animals are the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not members of the church. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you guys jump into that a little bit. That that concept that the. And again, I mix that up. So it's not, they're not saying that the saints are the are represented by the animals. They're saying that the the Gentiles, the Gentiles, the Gentiles are the animals. It's a mm -hmm. typology, okay. a metaphor like the animals. While Eve is the church. So mm -hmm. Kelsey, why don't you you know explain a okay, little bit on. how they teach hold this? Hold on, I'm sorry. In the created order. So they say here. Am I? Maybe I'm reading this wrong. It says, in other words, the saints who will be saved are represented as the animals. So they do kind of connect. <laughs> contradicts. They uh, do oh, kind of connect. Yeah. They do kind of connect the saints. They do say the saints are the animals. So but this then is on the last page, they say it's the Gentiles. Yeah. Well, I think what they're trying to, I think what they're trying to to say, and this is what I think that they're trying to say is that, um, you know, when Jesus, when he went up to heaven, he said, preach to the Gentiles, right? Preach to Samaria mm -hmm. and all the earth. So the, the gospel has been open to the Gentiles. So those who receive um, right. the truth, those are the ones that are going to, the spirit and the bride are going to preach to the Gentiles, right? And the Gentiles are going to receive it and go to heaven. Which is the members of the WMSCOG, basically. Yeah. yeah. Who are who are represent, represented by the animals. And so you could say, though, then, that, that but it's the actually saints, very but, Yeah. The saints are represented by both Eve and the animals. Yeah. Here. Which, which that's is a interesting. whole other contradiction because yeah. they teach that, um, and, and, you know, I have notes from Six Day Creation where they teach that, like, there's a difference between human and animal. Humans are those who have knowledge of God. Animals are those who do not have knowledge of God. And they use uh, Psalms chapter 49, verse 20, to, ju to, to justify that explanation that people who do not have understanding are those who are like beasts, like animals. So, so yeah, so they teach that animals represent those without knowledge of God. But then here um, they say, uh, in, like, you, like you mentioned, in other words, saints who will be saved are represented as the animals. So that's actually a contradiction in their teaching and hmm. members will recognize that. Now, Kelsey, what do they that. say about creation as far as adam and eve being our first parents and how that ties into the animals uh they do not believe that adam and eve are the first two humans created um they yeah they teach that adam and eve were the first two to have knowledge of god but that um that even before adam and eve there surely existed other people and to justify that they show you know like where you know there's adam and eve cain and abel right cain killed abel so if adam and eve were the first two humans on this earth Right. Then that means at that point, there should only be three people, Adam, Eve and Cain. Right. But Cain, as a result of him killing Abel, God sent him to live in another land. And God said, whoever kills him, they'll be punished. Right. Mm -hmm. So but the thing is, is they say is, well, who's going to kill him? Right. He's in a different land than his parents. So there's so there's only three people right. who's going to kill him. Who was and in the earth? Well, that, that's yeah. the reason. Yeah. That's a fallacy and then, and then, because. They well, can have also, other descendants when, later to do it. So, Well, also, they say, you know, Cain eventually got married and had a wife, right? Where did his wife come from? Did he marry his mother? Like, that's that's what they So that that's 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 how they, they explain it. They don't really go much in detail past that. But but yeah, that's the, the so, understanding. So what that presents, though, is this idea that before Adam and Eve, there were people on the earth. And so I think there's kind of one major point we wanted to make here with Romans five and, and something maybe Steve that Romans five would say about that. So maybe go into that, that problem a little bit. Why would that present a problem? So the idea of having a pre-Adamic race, 
So they would say these are like the animal-like people who didn't know God. And then Adam and Eve were the first people who really knew God. That's why they were the first people. So to have a pre-Adamic race would be to, to say that there was a, a group of people who lived as beasts with, in rebellion to God has a huge problem with the idea of the fall. Because theologically and biblically, you know, it says sin came to Adam. I got Romans 5.12 says it very right. clear that just as for one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, death spread to all men because, because all sin. So how would that work if you had people before Adam who were living in sin? Because the Bible clearly says that sin first came to Adam. It didn't come from this rebellious animal group of pre-Adamic people. It doesn't make any sense. So this is a huge theological problem for the Church of God. They haven't really thought this thing through. Um, they basically take another argument from silence, saying this pre-Adamic people, which is nonsense, because, you know, clearly Adam in the New Testament and Christian tradition, Adam was the first man, and, the, you know, God created him, and as far as the timeline in Genesis, and uh, sin came through Adam, and it wasn't through any pre-Adamic race. You have to really butcher the scriptures and twist it to hold on to this um, pretty crazy doctrine that, you know, they've talked about this pre-Adamic thing. It's just not in scripture again. And I think so. <laughs> With that said, the last the last thing I'd want to say, I think, to kind of wrap this up um, would be I remember, I think, one of the probably the first conversation I sat down with members um, and, and they did their Bible studies. One of the things they would they went to and put a really strong emphasis on was was one of the parables about a wedding where there was the wedding and, and in that parable you had both the the bride and you had the guests of the wedding and we so had they the emphasize the bridegroom and the guests the bride, no bride. The, right and and there's places where they they emphasize that you know the the I think it's in Revelation actually maybe too where where there's you see the guests and the bride and so they'll make this point that right. well the the bride can't be the guest to her own wedding and basically what they're saying is you can't have both of these symbols representing the church in the same in the mm -hmm. same setting. And so I would say to that, well, you guys have just done the same thing here in saying that Eve and the animals both represent the saints. In this this same location in the Bible, you're saying that both both Eve and the animals are representative of the saints. And so um I I'm not sure. I think I think um, I'd be interested to hear. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if you see any holes in that. But but when I came across that in this book, it just kind of stood out to me because I remembered how strongly they emphasized that point. And it seems no, I like think that's a, I think that's a really good point because I mean, first of all, the Bible doesn't say Eve. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't say Eve represents anybody, mm -hmm. right? And so the their logic to pull that out so so yeah so they're saying again without any bible verse that eve represents you know the saints and then also eve represents uh god the mother right but the thing is is the, how this is different than the word lamb or the word bride right because the word lamb and the word bride are actually like written down and they have specific examples of where they go to in the bible to say hey in this first lamb means jesus and this first lamb means god's people but for Eve, they don't have specific places where they can go in the Bible and say, okay, in this case, Eve represents God the mother, or in this case, Eve represents the saints. They're saying I, that Eve... Mm -hmm. Well, finish your thought. Well, they're, they're saying Eve jointly represents mm -hmm. the saints and also right. represents God the mother. And I think that's an uh, important point to... Oh, yeah, and the Gentiles, right? I, I I think though what they would do to support the Eve idea is they would they would go to places like uh, sec I think it's Second Corinthians where it talks which which this place doesn't work that I'm about to mention where he says t Paul says to the church I'm afraid for you that just as the serpent deceived Eve so also your minds may be deceived so they probably point to that they probably point to the oh, okay. the, the analogy between Christ and the church where uh, Paul says. As a father or as a man leaves his husband, uh, his father and mother and is joined to his wife and are made one mm -hmm. flesh. So that's something Paul applies to the church and Christ, which obviously comes out of Genesis uh, between Adam and Eve. And so I think off the top of my head, those are the only two places I can think of. But the second Corinthians one is not intended at all to make 
the church be a type of Eve. It's just right. a simple comparison. Like um, he could have as easily said, I'm afraid for you that just as the serpent deceived Peter to deny Christ, so also your minds might be deceived. But he, he if, if he did that, it'd be the same argument, but it doesn't mean he's saying right. that the church is a, that Peter is a type of the church or, or something right. like that. Um, right. Yeah. But so right. I, th- I think those would be the places maybe they draw from. There might be, be others, but I think ultimately that the fact that they get from that to a, a second deity, a, a second right. God, that that's right. the issue. That's the real issue. There's, um, so there's doing no verse ways. that says that. They're using the, the the verse in Romans chapter 5, verse 14, where it says Adam represents, you know, a deity. Therefore, Eve, his wife, must represent a deity also, where it, again, right. doesn't say that. It doesn't but say they're that. doing it in two ways, because in the first part of chapter 1, they're saying that um, the wife of the lamb has two meanings, and they're basically saying, you know, the bride of Christ, which is spelled out in Ephesians and in you know Second Corinthians eleven, they're saying that the bride of Christ is not only you know the 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 church, but it's also a female deity. And then they're doing the same thing with the Eve, saying it's not only you know the church, it's also a female deity. So they're doing it both, and both times they're doing it, they're just kind of assuming what they're trying to prove with no basis to do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well. I Which think, is theologically contradicted, as we're going to see in later episodes. Right, they're polytheists. <laughs> and I, yep. Well, I think that I think that gets us pretty well through chapter one. I know there's a lot more that could be said about it, but uh, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna touch on and build upon some of this stuff in, in right. future episodes covering this. Um, but just in summary, just to summarize the the kind of the main points, I think that we went through. Um, one, you know, we don't necessarily have a problem with the idea that different, there's different meanings in the Bible to, to the same thing sometimes. Fine. That's, that's fine. No problem with that. But I think the leaps they go to in that, that's where it becomes problematic. Another point we made is that Ong Song Hong very clearly told us the identity of the bride. He very clearly told us multiple times, not only in, in the removed book, um, however you view that, Although he clearly said it there, he said it also in, in Visitors from the Angelic World, a book that is still with you guys. Um, and so you have to consider critically, honestly, who did Ong Song Hong say the church was? Why did he, or, or the Bride of Christ was? Why did he always say it was the church? You, you, you can't ignore that. Another significant point is that Ong Song Hong said that the heavenly Jerusalem would not appear till a thousand years after the end of the world. Okay, that's a big problem. And, and that immediately counts out Zonggil Ja from being able to be the heavenly Jerusalem. And, and he said that this, all these things, these quotes that we've read, he said these are the unchanging truth of God. And he said that you must be careful not to be deceived by these corrupt people who would teach these sort of things about using these verses in Revelation to teach a mother God doctrine. He said, be careful that you are not deceived by these corrupt people ever again, ever again. Are you going to listen to that or are you going to ignore that? Then, uh, as we just mentioned, with the the Eve being the uh, representing mother God, they're just they're relying on so much uh philosophical, fallacious way of arguing. They're relying on false analogies, uh, equivocation fallacy, um, in order to make Eve represent Mother God. They're, they're, they're basically just saying it's true because we say it's true, and we think it's true because we think it's true. They're not proving it. They're not establishing it. And that's not necessarily, they're not necessarily giving laying out their entire arguments for that, obviously, in this first chapter. But they certainly, nowhere, nowhere here do we see them establishing that. Um, and then, then the last thing we covered was just the animals, the, the way they use the animals as a, uh, a type of the, the saints or, or, or as the Gentiles, there's multiple issues. I think we're seeing that arise from that. And so with that, do you, either of you guys have any, uh, final closing thoughts? Steve, you can go. <laughs> Not so much. I think we covered a lot of it. I mean, we're just yeah. getting started in this book. Um, I think it's a couple of things. One is 
you know, the actual arguments to use, but, you know, and theologically, but it's also just a way of thinking for these people. You know, it's, it's just like a sloppy way of thinking. It's believing it because your leadership tells you to think this way. If this equals this here and this equals this there, then this has got to equal this. It's just like a really sloppy way of thinking. Um, they're not great theologians. They're not great biblical thinkers. Um, they make terrible fallacies that a baby Christian wouldn't make. Um, you know, they're not experts in language, none of that stuff. They, they, just don't, they just don't have the tools or the understanding of the Bible. They make basic mistakes. And I think just the sloppy methodology is uh, the first part of this lesson here. And I just want to add, you know, like, you know, I was there too. I was a member and I believe that was the truth. But I just encourage people that, you know, if you really believe what you know is the truth, then don't be afraid to to look into the Bible and see the context in which these verses are written so that you can confirm for yourself whether what you're being taught is the truth or not. Because we're coming at this from a biblical standpoint. Um, and uh, uh, I don't know the right word, but even with... Um, you know, understanding like false analogies too. you know, so we're, we're presenting to you, you know, what, I don't know how to say it. Um, you know, biblical evidence that, you know, what you are being taught is not uh, correct according to the, the standpoint of the Bible, which, you know, mm -hmm. as all members, I think all members, like, like we mentioned before, all members, they don't join the church just to join a church, right? They mm -hmm. join the church because they, they believe in the Bible. They want to know God, right? And so, you know, I, I would say take that initial, you know, hope and, 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 and desire and, you know, look. Don't be afraid to look into the Bible because there there is an explanation for there is an explanation, a solid explanation mm -hmm. that the bride is not God, the mother. There's a solid mm -hmm. explanation about that in the Bible. And again, even within the context of Revelation 19, 21 and 22, um, which again, I know it's going to be tempting to like want to explain those verses right away. Um, but we're going to get to those. And I mean, the, the next chapter is about Revelation 22, 17. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to the, you know, we're going to analyze that through the Bible within the next couple of videos. Um, but just, just, just bear with us. And, you know, what we said today, really, you know, look through the Bible yourself, open up your Bible and, and, and see what we were trying to convey. So. Yeah. Don't, don't like Kelsey said, like, don't, you know, be scared to look at the Bible. Also, you can understand the complicated things by the clear things. And the clear things is there's not two gods. You know, there's one God. And there's an internal contradictions we're going to get to about their view on the two gods thing even. Because sometimes they'll say, well, there's two aspects of one God. And other times they'll distinctly say there's two gods. There's another fundamental contradiction. You'll hear that from leaders and in their writing. Um, we'll get into all that stuff too. But, um, you know, the clear things... Uh, explain the harder things and it's that's the nature of God it's, it's pretty obvious um, don't build you know word games equivocations don't do arguments from silence you know these are important issues and um, you know the church has been around for 2,000 years Jesus promised the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against it and they never did and it did not to be restored in either 1948 or 1964 or 1985 the church has been around yeah all right well if you um, want to read the books, again, as we said, the, the links to Ong Song Hong's book, The Problems with the New Jerusalem, uh, The Bride and the Women's Veils, that will be in the link of the video. And we ask that you would subscribe and do all that kind of stuff that helps us out. And especially if, you, if you're listening on the podcast uh, version of this, to leave a review. That's, that's just a really helpful way that helps push uh, our content out in front of more people. And so those are just a couple practical, helpful things you can do. And then also if, if this is like one of your first videos as a member you're listening to, just want to let you know that we, we've kind of are building a, uh, a pretty big library at this point. I think we have around a hundred videos um, or so just on this topic of the World Mission Society Church of God. And so there's links to, to that too, the link to the playlist for that in the, the description if you want to hear more if you want to listen about other specific topics we've covered a lot of stuff uh, over the past three years and so uh, yeah with that said we're, we'll look forward to doing the next couple chapters um, soon and, and going through this this whole book and uh, yeah thank you for for watching
we have a right to respond to them. That's true. Now, I'm having Dave on my radio program for a couple of hours. Now, he and I do not agree in specific areas. And he's wrong in specific areas, as far as I'm concerned, biblically. Now, why do we not have an open discussion where we sit down and we say, okay, um, Dave, you make a statement in Seduction of Christianity, and you name the book. You talk to the guy, and you say, um, well, how do you defend that position? How do we discuss it? You guys did that one night here on pre-mid and post-tribulationism. Remember where you sat around and discussed the differences of yeah. opinion? Was anybody choking anybody? Was anybody jumping up and down anybody? No, I think it's... Was, was it unloving? No. Was it divisive? No. It brought everybody together because the body could sort it out. He knows exactly where I stand. He's my friend. I love him. He's coming on my program. We're going to talk two hours. He's going to pound the table and disagree with me. I'm going to disagree with him. But at least, Doug, in the name of sanity, the First Amendment and truth, people are going to hear both sides. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think, yeah. I think that's fair. But you're not doing it just for controversy. No. You are doing it to purify the doctrine. No. God raises up men like yourself to be salt and to be light in the theological circles. And we have to accept you, even though we may not like everything you say. Or even like you personally. The important thing is, is it true? That's true. That, that's the most important thing. Is it true? Now, mm -hmm. if it's true that this is false doctrine, and it is, then we have to address the issue and counteract it. Then we address the issue. listening to the Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the Ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast.